Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to episode 112. 112 of the Retire with Confidence podcast. I'm Nick Hopwood, joined with special guest. Katie Nolf. Katie Nolf. <laughs> so Katie, I've known Katie for a few years now. We met doing some financial planning work together. Correct, yep. But also did some uh, real estate work together, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. Yes, I forgot about that. Yes, yeah. it did help you flip that house. We're going to talk about flips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, we've, before we talk about that, though, for those of you listening on the podcast and not watching on YouTube, I have a change. A lot of people have been commenting on my beard. Oh yeah, it's you, gone. We saw each other like two yeah. weeks ago, right? It was huge. <laughs> it was big. It was very big. It had some girth to it. And I had to get rid of it Aww. because my wife was getting very upset with it. <laughs> so so uh, it's gone if you're not watching. And uh, what, one thing that was funny was that it when I shaved it off, I felt like my face changed shape. <laughs> it did. Yeah, I felt like my chin was just gone. You know, so that was kind of weird. And I'm also just it. casually here today. Today As we're recording for uh, Monday. What is it? Monday the twenty second. Twenty second. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I'm, I'll be headed to the Michigan LSU game tonight. Fantastic! Yeah, Good in, for you. In Indianapolis. Wonderful. Yeah, it's gonna Wonderful. be exciting. Go blue. So anyway, yes, go blue. Back to Katie. Yeah. And your background. So you have an interesting route to get to real estate, right? So tell us yes. about that. It wasn't a direct road. <laughs> so um, my first career was actually in costume for film and television in New York City. I knew I needed to move back to Michigan actually because my father was ill at the time. Um, and I got into real estate because it's a relatively easy license to to achieve, honestly. Um, and, and, and honestly, too, I was used to... Um, doing pretty well in, in my career, and I'm not really super qualified to do a whole lot of things around here with a degree in fashion design. So um, I knew that you know getting into something like real estate would allow me to still make the income that I was accustomed to, or at least I'd have the control in which to do so. So I thought, and so that's sort of how it began. Okay, <laughs> so there was no like, feeling of just being drawn to real estate like well, a magnet. Some not, people I talk to, they have that feeling. You know? Not necessarily. I liked more of just the control aspect of it and I was turned on to it by my um, ex-boyfriend's mother who lived in South Florida. They were realtors in South Florida and they were excellent at what they did. Um, and so that was sort of my initial introduction into that life and I knew that I could sort of leverage that experience here in Michigan. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So what year did you come back and start? What, what was that like? 20, uh, 15. 2015? Yeah, 15. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, I know that you've had tremendous success in the rental area. Yes. Um, is that, do you spend a lot of your time working with people on investment properties or is it more just residential listings? It's a mixed bag. Um, mm -hmm. I would say about 25% of my clientele is real, are real estate investors such as myself, people that are looking to get into flips or rentals, the other 75% being residential real estate sales. So residential is definitely still the bread and butter, but I do work with investors all the time for sure. Okay. Uh, what kind of market are you seeing? Just kind of, kind of give a real time update with 
uh, volume and listings and sure. time on the market, inventory? Sure. So inventory is historically low right now. So much so that we are seeing multiple, multiple offers on every property driving the price 5, 10, 15, even $50,000 above asking. It's incredible. It's almost reminiscent of what we are used to seeing in sort of like LA, New York, San Francisco, those kinds of markets. So to see that kind of activity um, in Detroit is, it's interesting, honestly. Um, the reason for it, if you have to ask, if in my opinion, <clears throat> is a combination of things. The first being the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures. It's definitely stifled the free market. So those natural homes that would have naturally been on the market anyways, haven't been for the, the last year. And then of course, interest rates are historically low. With interest rates being as historically low as they are, it creates a buyer demand that is insatiable because people can afford more than they have been able to previously. The most expensive part of borrowing money, as you know, is compounding interest. So if the interest rate is two, three, four points lower than where we have seen it in the last few years, then obviously the person who could afford you know, max 150 a few years ago when interest rates were at like five and a half percent, at 3% can go up to 200, 225, et cetera. It of course depends on the tax rate, so that's where it differentiates home to home, but that's yeah, but why you're seeing what you're property seeing. Property taxes are, it's like- Going through the roof. Unbelievable. Unreal, and people are buying and not realizing that. There's yeah. a lot of bad realtors and lenders out there that aren't gonna really make it known that when you purchase a home, the um, SEV or state equalized value, which is what your tax burden is based on, is going to increase because the cap is lifted and they're gonna bring it back up to true market value, which is typically about half of market value. So if you buy a home for 500, the SEV you can assume to be about 250 so that people and understand. A, and there's a tool on the Michigan website, the yes. state of Michigan, where you can punch in Correct. the township that you're in or the city and the- And, and the, the school district, because yeah. that matters, yeah. And I, I, I'm like, always evaluating rentals, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. and like in Plymouth, in Plymouth City, some Yikes. of these rentals, when you look at the listing, yeah. it might say that the property tax is like $5,000. Yeah. But when you type it into the website, you're gonna get jacked up to 9,500. Correct. And there goes your return. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not just that, but you might actually be negative cash flowing at that point. It's such a drastic difference. Yeah. And people get themselves into such hot water when they don't really project what the increased holding costs will be on a property. The yeah. first year is great because you get grandfathered in. A lot of times you get homestead tax rates as your own for the short term until the calendar year, you know, yeah. reassesses and then you're kind of in hot but, water after that. But let's also think about it for for the homestead, right? For yeah. the for the person who's um, you know, maybe maybe downsizing yeah. or just moving like the retiree who's downsizing yeah. could actually have higher property taxes than they did before. Yes. Right? And you, yes. you don't they don't build that into their retirement cost of living. Not at all. And as a matter of fact, it's actually that's another reason why I believe we're seeing low inventory twofold. Not only are retirees choosing not to downsize or move because they can't afford the new payment on the new home, they're already paid off on the existing home, they're grandfathered into low tax rates. But then there's even the the struggle with aging Americans in this country is a conversation that nobody's having, and it's something that we actually should start talking about, honestly. Um, the assisted and non-assisted living communities are thousands of dollars a month, and I mean thousands. So somebody who, let's say, retires with you know, $300,000, in no joke, less than five years, they're gonna be out of money. And then what if, you do after have, that? If they had a claim. If they, yeah. exactly, if, yeah. they, if they have, if, if let's say their social security or their pension, isn't covering that four to five thousand dollars a month that you need to live in those communities, you're gonna exhaust your capital so, so, so fast.
I've watched my grandmothers do it, you yeah. know, yeah. it's tough. Um, okay, so specifically with real estate rentals, do yeah. you favor uh, renting and holding for the long term or do you favor flipping for a short term profit? At first I would have told you flips, um, but capital gains tax is incredibly <laughs> <laughs> horrible basically is the short story. So honestly, I prefer rentals at this point for two reasons. Number one, the ta tax shelter is unbeatable. And number two, um, the cash flow, if you do it correctly, meaning you're not taking on an acquisition with too heavy of a of, uh, purchase price or holding costs so that you can, even if it's incremental, cash flow a little bit month to month. And then of course the appreciation at the end of the rainbow. So I personally like the rentals a lot better because they're just more stable, they're more predictable. Flips are, I always use the analogy of like flips are like a mistress and rentals are like a wife because I mean truly like there's so much unknown in flips. The market could shift in the six months that you're holding the home. You could, you know, run into a lien or such. There's so many things that could go wrong with flips, especially because, you know, a lot of times they're off market and non-warrantable deeds and all that jazz. I, I, I agree with you. I believe in the, the long-term rentals, mm -hmm. which is a long-term wealth creation Correct. Uh, vehicle. Yes. Right? So there's so many things I could say, but I think ultimately it's so much easier just to find a tenant mm -hmm. yes, than absolutely. it is to find a project and yes. do the work and yes. make, you know, you know, and have the profit so margins work. make, yeah, absolutely. So much more work. Thousands it's of hours. It's definitely not as passive. Yes. Right. Yes. It's much more hands-on. So like a rental, to give you an example, my quick numbers are I have eight rental properties with 10 doors and I'm sure we'll get more into the details yeah. on that later. To give you an idea of how much time I spent on that per, spend on that regularly per month, we're talking about no joke, less than a couple hours per month, per month to make that and to just hold those properties. Whereas if I'm flipping a home, I am at that house seven days a week probably a minimum of five hours a day. Not because I'm doing the work myself. I'm sort of handy, but I'm not that handy. I have a crew of yeah, guys. It sounds like you're doing the work. I'm not five at hours. all. That's just managing people and like managing trash and you making make sure. sure Yes. Yeah, you know, he's efficient. Right? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> and not just him, but you know, all of the subs. I don't have one guy. I have a multitude of guys that do various aspects of the flip and making sure that they're on time. Staffed, present, paid is a full-time job. Okay. So eight rentals, 10 doors. Yeah. So the idea is that you find a target property. Yes. You come in with, do you have 20% down? Like what's your strategy with? Always with okay. the money. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, we don't buy these in cash. Um, and that's why actually I love the rentals even more. So our cash on cash return is actually a wonderful because we're only putting down 20 to 25%, whether it's a single family or a duplex duplex, you have to put down 25% important okay. to mention because a lot of people don't realize with multifamilies you do, so, it does so require So you're 25. only putting out X dollars and Bringing the leverage, in. the yeah. leverage yeah. enhances your return. Correct. But it does add risk. It right? does add risk. Yes. And so, um, the, the reason why it adds risk is because if, in, if, if the market dips, technically I could be in a negative equity position, but rental rates don't typically fluctuate the way that the market does. So as long as you have good tenants that you can trust to pay on time and the rental rates justify what your holding costs are with, you know, a small bit of passive cash flow, And we're talking about like maybe $300 a month. It's not much after the, after you've paid your mortgage. Um, 
it, it's a win. I mean, frankly, so it you're is. focusing on the income, not the appreciation aspect. Yes. So for now, because I do the, the, the think of it like this. So appreciation is a great idea, but it's not a given. Yeah. Whereas cash flow is a given. Yeah. So it's cash now is a given versus appreciation later. And then also, even if the home, let's say, never appreciates over the 30 years of ownership that I'll have it because I'm putting 30 year conventionals on these so that we can cash flow. If you do a 15 year, you won't have any cash flow. Um, the whole idea is that the tenant pays down the asset as well. So even if the asset remains at, like, let's say I bought it for 75, even if it's at 75, 30 years from now, which we both know it won't be, I still get all of that 75 back paid by the tenant yeah. over 30. Not that I would ever sell them, but so, theoretically, so you know with, what I mean? With the financing story, if you're, if you're holding it for the full duration, right? Yeah. And you have the loan for that long. Yeah. You literally put in 25, so let's use a simple example. Yeah. 100,000. 100,000. You put in 25,000. Yep. The tenant over the next 30 years will pay off the other 75,000. Correct. And then in year 31, you have your uh, taxes, insurance, maintenance, lost rent, but now it's double you know, the it's cash really flow. in the profit. Yes. Right? Yes. Looking yes. Good. Absolutely. So that's a pension. That's a pension. Right. That's I a love pension. It. Yep. And absolutely. that's really, that's the, that's the end game. That is the end game. Yeah. So the end game is never to sell these properties. Frankly, any equity that I would have in them, I'd probably cash out to get more properties anyways. You know what I'm saying? The, the little bit of cash that you have in them is always better to buy more than to pocket it. Because when you cash out a property, the moment you cash it out, it stops making you money. Yeah. Basically. Now, now Or sell I, it, I should say. I look at it, it a little differently. Yeah. Okay. Because my goal is not to have income now. Okay. Right. So you say, Oh, hey, so look. you'd rather just pay it off yeah. quicker. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So you say, Hey, this, this door, mm -hmm. right. And so when you say rentals and doors, it's like a duplex. Exactly. Right? Okay. Yeah. So this unit is giving me $300 a month in profit. Mm -hmm. So that means you're collecting a thousand in rent and the mortgage taxes and insurance are 700. Yes, okay? exactly. So it gives you 300 a month right now. Yep. So, uh, you are living using that as income. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. So what I would like to do is take that three hundred and roll it into the loan. Mm. Okay. So you speed up amortization, yeah. pay towards principal. So yeah. like you said, if you do a fifteen year, you're not getting any cash flow. Not really. But, yeah. But that's ultimately what you do if you take that three hundred and roll it back in is making it. You right. know, a 10 or a 15. Right. right. So I haven't really spoken to that, but the idea is, so at the end of each year, you retain 10% for maintenance every month. So there is a savings account or checking account rather that is accruing money absolutely every year. And then what you do with that extra money at the end of the year, what we will do is put it towards deferred maintenance. So if something needs a roof, a furnace, uh, you know, painting the exterior, et cetera, et cetera. But there will be years where there will be no deferred maintenance. And so in those years, it will go towards paying down the principal. We don't want to take 30 years to do it. I just like the control of, if you sign up with a 15 year initially, you owe that every single month. Whereas with a 30 year, you can owe less and choose to pay more. Mm -hmm. So it's more control, you know? Absolutely. So with mine, not only do I roll that 300 back into the loan, mm -hmm. But I take, you know, income from my day job, right, and roll that into the loan too. Smart. To really just say, get it done. I want it gone. Yeah, right? yeah, for so sure. So then, so I have like twenty-three units, 
and I was like, I used to have a goal to get to 30, but there's really nothing that I see that's out there that's not really today. appealing. Yeah, yeah, not right now. So the numbers like, don't make sense. It's like, what's the rush, Yeah, right? exactly. There's but, no reason to. But in a couple years, right, by hammering on these things like I've been, we can get to the free cash flow pension part much quicker, right? Absolutely, yeah. And so if you have 23 units rolling, okay, and everything is working like it should, you could like pay cash mm -hmm. for a new place every couple of years. That's, yeah, right? that's, yeah, that's the next so, idea for so sure. So that's the dividend reinvestment. That's exactly. all that is, right? Exactly, it's smart. You're buying more shares mm -hmm. when you're dividend reinvesting in your Ameritrade account. Yeah. And you're buying more units when you're dividend reinvesting with the real estate. Yeah, it's a very smart way to do it, especially because we haven't mentioned that uh, federally, you're only allowed to have 10 conventional loans, which is important to mention. Because if you go into the portfolio loan realm, the interest rates are triple, sometimes quadruple. And actually the Fed, not the Fed, the new um, administration slash the Fed just changed rules for people like you and I. So they are not going after the um, you know resident primary owner occupant whatever they they are going after people like us and increasing interest rates on us because they figure in a pandemic if you have extra money to buy a rental or a second home this is also in line with vacation homes then you can pay more points and it has to do with the um secondary mortgage market diminishing what they'll purchase it's down to like seven and a half percent of loans so they're going to be a lot more picky about what they'll actually purchase whereas previously as you you and i both know they would just buy anything freddie and fanny mm -hmm. so they're tightening the purse strings there a little bit too which is it changes things for us because that makes the interest rates go up on this entire example you know so to your point, to Nick's point of buying in cash, that is definitely smart <laughs> because then you have no interest on it initially. Your cash on cash return is maybe slightly diminished because you're yeah. putting up so much money to make back maybe what, 15, 18,000 a year, something like that, depending on your, your, your rental rate, less taxes and insurance. Yeah, I always think of like- You know what I mean. I always think of these duplexes like, if you can rent them for 9.95, yeah. right? Then you're probably gonna profit like 17,000 Ish per year. per year, yeah. And yeah. so if you pay 170, which doesn't exist anymore, no. you can make 10% cash on cash. But if you have yeah. a mortgage, it's like 30%, right? It's like exactly. It's, like, it's crazy yeah. when you have a mortgage. It's more risk though, to his point, yeah. because no. you do hold you know, debt on the property. Yeah, and let me talk about risk. Yeah. Okay? Because in 2008, yeah. okay, we had, we didn't have 23, you know, but we, we had a bunch, okay? Mm -hmm. And we did the same thing as you. We came in with 20, you know, I, I thought we bought them right. You know? Right, yeah. Like we weren't paying top, top dollar. We felt like they were a good price. We came in with a, a regular mortgage with cash down, but because the property values went down 50%, yeah. right? And my income from my day job went down by one third. Oh geez, yeah. And tenants were out of work. Yep, right? and so even if you try to evict them, well, who are you gonna put in there that's gonna actually pay the rent anyway? I was scared out of my mind. Yeah, it's terrifying for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bad moment like, in life. These rentals are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Right? So I vowed like to, to get out, you know, like. Did you like, sell them? No. Thank God, no, oh my I God. No, I couldn't. I was gonna say, cause you would have taken a bath, you would have yeah. needed like short sale approval for every single one. It would've yeah. been terrible. Right, Yikes. so we no. didn't do that. Yeah. But I was like, as soon as they come back, you know, I'm dumping these, <laughs> right? And then it was an amazing situation. You're I like, realized, what am I thinking? Then I realized, you know what? I, I kind of have this figured out, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit anyway. Yeah. Like, let's get more. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. More is better with rentals. It's a truly a numbers game. One or two, you're not going to feel it. 23, yeah. you feel it. 
you know? Yeah, yeah I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful, it. for and, sure. And, and like, people are like, well, that's not, you know, who, I don't even have a management company. No, you don't need to. So everyone thinks you get to your level and you need to. Like, I'll never have a property manager. It's a waste of 10% every month. Yeah. 10% gross, too. Right. Not net. So I feel like, uh, since we accumulated them in slow motion. Yes, that's the best way to do it. You know, you're just adding box. one more door. Exactly, like, well, one at a time. I don't need to, it's not a tipping point where I can't do it anymore, right? No. I have Chuck, yes. everyone calls Chuck. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Your maintenance man, slow Chuck, we Chuck, love him. Hey, Chuck fixes, <laughs> he fixes the mailbox, right? Yeah. Fixes the hot, even the hot water tank, you yeah. know, stuff like that. And I don't have to take those calls. Exactly. You know? And that reminds me of a story, one that we did several years ago in Brighton. I talked with the guy at closing, mm -hmm. and you know, the, the, the question always comes up, so why are you selling, right? Yeah, It's always. like the most ridiculous question, right. by the way. Thousands of reasons why. Yeah. Who cares? No one tells the truth, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, who cares? The point is yeah. you are selling, and so, here we are. So you know? I did ask him, yeah. right? Because I thought, this guy's a fool for letting this thing go. Right, right. right. He said, he's like retirement age, newly retired and he's like I want to go to Florida <laughs> I'm like okay so, go right <laughs> like, so like why can't you go right he's like well what if they call oh he's yeah. way too tethered so you can't right. be afraid of that you right. have to just live your life it is That's what right. it is yeah so I'm like look man I'm cashing all these checks on Venmo when I'm in Florida oh yeah right absolutely and if someone calls me because you know the furnace is out I call Mark Yep. Right? Call your furnace guy. guy. Call yeah. your HVAC guy, your electrician. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Like, yep. I, don't need, I don't need to be tethered. Right. That's a good word. Plus, it's you're not supposed to be... Okay, so the most successful people in uh, the world aren't necessarily the best at everything. They surround themselves with people that are the best at everything. Mm -hmm. That is like lesson number one. So I'll never know how to fix a furnace. I don't want to know how to fix a furnace. It's worth it to me to pay my guy's name, Jim Calvary, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it to me to pay Jim couple hundred dollars every time we need his expertise versus going to HVAC school and then electricity school and then, you know, plumbing school or what a trade school, whatever that may be. I, and of course, in turn, this is a business like anything else. The goal of business ownership is to run it like a true entrepreneur, to be hands off. And then of course, when you're hiring people to do stuff, you're employing people, which is good. That's what America needs is more employment, more job opportunity. So all around, there's really no reason to be tethered to Michigan and not move to Florida. So, <laughs> so with that guy in mind, maybe yeah. he's a good example of yeah. who is not cut out to, to be right. Yes. Who else? Like, why can't everyone do this? Um, you have to be risk adverse. You really do have to be risk adverse. Um, you also do need, uh, think of it like this. Uh, oh, you say risk, risk adverse? Adverse, yeah, meaning like you're willing to take on a little bit of risk because, you know, a lot of newbie investors, their first question is, well, what happens when they trash the place or they don't pay rent? You deal with it. That's what happens. You get, a, you get a dumpster. Exactly. You get a dumpster, you clean it out. Like, well, what happens when they leave two months early? Did you get the house back? Is it ruined? Cut your losses and move on. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to feel like you need to sue somebody for every penny. If you actually get your asset back with little to no damage, you should call that a win, honestly. It's when people squat in your home and you have to hire an attorney and evict them and it's like a six month process that you actually could get yourself into hot water because you're covering the mortgage for six months at that point. So um, how do you control that? 
your control is picking the tenant. Yeah. You get to pick the tenant. And a lot of people will argue about the best practices in which to do this. I personally, I'm in a niche market where we do like $950 to $1,500 a month in rent. These people are not wealthy. Um, they don't have a lot of cash flow. There's a reason why they're renting and not purchasing a home because they don't have like five or $6,000 sitting in the bank where they can put it towards a down payment. So they don't have a lot of money for things like a background check and a credit check and that kind of thing. I actually rely on um, meeting them in person, first and foremost. If they, I require that they pick up the phone and call me to schedule a showing. And I know that that sounds so silly, but it's in this day and age, if they just want to text me, they can't live in my house. I'm sorry. Like you have to be good at communication. That is number one. And then number two, when you meet them, you get a good feeling for them. You still require that they send you like a credit karma, you know, 520 whatever page report of their at least two of the three of the credit bureau so you can see a real snapshot of their credit. You need employment or income verification, whether that be pay stubs, et cetera. And then I usually require one or two professional references. Um, I love a past or a present boss because past will not lie to you. Present, the number one question for me is, do you foresee this person losing their job anytime soon? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like nine times out of 10, you're going to get an answer from that boss that really is indicative of if this is a good person or not. And then the next question is, do they come to work on time? Because if they come to work on time, they'll probably pay their bills on time as well. And then you just hope that you pick the right one, you know? Um, and keep an attorney on retainer as well. So, so I love the, <laughs> I actually like the non-texting thing because yeah. you, you're not chasing them, right? Yes, I won't chase. If you, you come to me, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, if yeah. you want it, yeah. right, then you're yeah. gonna pick up the phone. Absolutely. So I, I like that and I have a story, well, not a story specifically, but I used to be so desperate yeah, right. I'm thinking like when I was young and just starting out. Or even 08 when you were just like, please, somebody get in this house and pay Anyone, me rent. Someone, yeah. yeah. So it does change market to market for so sure. So I would, I would do things like, hey, I'll give you half off the first month's rent. You know what I mean? Uh, it sets and a so, dangerous precedent. Right. Because what I was doing was getting someone who has just enough exactly. to get in the door. Yes, yes. And then the probability of getting screwed over later on is much, much higher. higher absolutely so the face-to-face -face. so here's the thing like I rely on this for the most it's my number one thing mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that there's a good vibe mm -hmm. right oh absolutely like yes. if I have a creeped out feeling yeah it's not gonna work it's not gonna work no you know and absolutely and then I don't even do the credit check I do I'm looking at pay stubs right? yeah I'd like to see the credit just because I, Okay, this is gonna sound awful, but if you have to evict somebody and throw them into collections, you want them to care about their credit. Because if their credit is already under like 595, they don't care about it. <laughs> it's already at a place where they can't really open a credit card, they're not gonna be able to buy a home, so what's another few hundred points if you go into collections, it doesn't matter. If they're at like 650 or higher, they care. Okay. That's my little, my numbers personally, you know? Okay, and they share that the credit karma thing that's like free it's like it's a free super app, right? free exactly so that's why we don't do like a true background check is like 50 to 150 dollars depending on the program you use some people charge um application fees i don't do that i'm not trying to gouge people out of money i just want to make sure that you're serious about wanting to move into the home you know what i mean okay. and 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 check to make sure that what you say your financial situation is is in fact that because people do elaborate yeah you know um, so one thing I wanted to talk about is like maintenance. Yeah. And because with some of these places, 
you have carpet, they have a cat, like sure. it, you're, you know, the yeah. carpet's toast, right? Yeah. Or, I, so I was replacing carpet every year, what it seemed like. Oh, geez. So first of all, I try to get people who are going to stay you know, for more stay than one longer. year. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And then what I also figured out was I'm never buying carpet again. Yeah. Vinyl plank always. Yes. It's a yeah. little bit more going in, but you'll never have to replace it again. I, I figure it's at least five years. Mm -hmm. You know, cause some of these people are really hard on, because yes. think about this. When you, you know, go on vacation and rent a car, Right. How do you treat it? You mash that pedal, right? Oh, like, yeah. Let's see what this thing's got. Probably smoke in the car, do <laughs> yeah. all kinds of bad stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's kind of the mindset sometimes. Absolutely. So it's, you know, hopefully you're finding the right person yes. with that, yes. uh, you know, with the face-to-face -face mm -hmm. and someone who cares and mm -hmm. treats it like their own. Mm -hmm. But, you, you know, you still have that. So I always put in the, the laminate, you know, the, the vinyl flooring and, you know, do you have to paint every time? Like, like. What? It depends. It really depends. Um, we've been lucky. So we've only had one rental that turned over in one year once. Otherwise, how they're all on the, like years two and three. So how do you, you know, how do you incentivize them to stay or on day one? It's honestly, it's just, you know, yeah, in. pick the person. So like we have a lot of young tenants. So all of my rentals are in, sorry, I keep touching my mic. <laughs> all of my rentals are in um, Southeast Oakland County. So Southeast Oakland is like Madison Heights, Hazel Park, Ferndale. There's a huge young person populace there, basically. They don't really move all super readily like you would think that they would. It's difficult to move, as we both know, and expensive and time consuming. And so honestly, I think we've retained maybe from a place of like, I don't want to say laziness, but like it's certainly less effort to stay than to try to find another place. Um, also, this crazy real estate market has certainly helped that effort as well. So whereas I think we would have lost a couple younger tenants to purchasing homes, they like it's very hard to save money and then also be competitive in these real estate markets when you max out at like two hundred thousand dollars so they're all it seems to me like a lot of them are waiting for a shift in the real estate market before we lose them so that they can go buy a house basically so after the first year is up do you have them sign a new lease always or, or always month month? i never do month to month because you need to control when the lease expires so if somebody does vacate and they just leave that's not really something that you can protect against. Like you can't control people. It is what it is. My favorite is when they leave without telling you. Yeah, yeah. And then the neighbors are like, hey, I saw a moving truck here. And you're like, when? They're like 60 days ago. And you're yeah. like, cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often though. Not to like, that's more of a horror story. Um, but with a month to month, if they give you 30 days notice, they can leave legally. That's how a month to month contract is written. With a, a lease agreement, there is a date that they are supposed to leave. And so like for us, we consistently try to get our renewal dates to be in the spring, the summer, and the fall. We have a couple that renew right around Christmas slash awful, yeah. awful. So that's why I don't do month to month because I can't have somebody come to me on January 1st and say, this is my 30 day notice because legally they're absolutely within their right to do mm. that. But now I get screwed and I have keys to re-rent out on February 1st, which is a really crappy time of the year to do it. Yeah. Christmas time is really bad to awful. move. No yeah. one moves during the holidays. Never. Honestly, never. Unless they have to. So when you're... Uh, re-upping the lease 
Do you charge the same rent or do you always try and jack it up? No, not always. It depends. It depends on if we should or we shouldn't. Like in the pandemic year, there were absolutely no rent increases. As a matter of fact, we... I think we're still in a pandemic. Yes, (laughs) but but um, taxes have gone up. So at this point, we actually have to increase interest or increase the rental rates by honestly 25 to 50 dollars a month and depending on the unit so that's like two and a half percent yeah it's not much it's really not much at all um it's thinking of it like this like if they make so so to qualify somebody we require they make three times the monthly rent as income so obviously they their jobs change and things change while they are living there gross income gross not net yes if you do net you'll never find a tenant unfortunately (laughs) it's got to be gross um so uh that being said, we sort of know what can be afforded. So if we're prepared for a turnover, like if we're not prepared to turn over the unit, we probably won't increase rent that year because you we know, won't. no, because yeah. we know that we're going to lose that tenant. You know what I mean? Some people really can't afford extra $50 a month at $600 a year. Even though to you and I, that might not sound like a lot of money, that can be quite a bit of money to certain households. You know my, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, my fear with, with raising the rent is if this person does walk yes then i'm going to lose a month yep and i have to come in and clean it up yeah. maintenance couple thousand bucks every single time yeah our cleaning but just between so, cleaning so you lady figure, yeah you figure you pay two thousand for fixing and a thousand lost that's three thousand dollars right when total. i could just not increase it by right. six hundred dollars it's yeah. dollars and cents it makes sense not to increase it's a the rent. your break even yeah. exactly yeah. Exactly. And so there, and like at this point, like now that we're circling the, you know, we're coming on like year three with some of these tenants that we haven't increased rent on, yeah. they're expecting it. As yeah. a matter of fact, they would do, like do reach out and, to us. Do you try and like give them a notice? Like, hey, tons look. of notice. Okay. Yeah. As a matter of fact, one of them, she just started a new job as a Detroit um, police officer, which God bless her, seriously, amazing. And so, like, and she was doing something else, but previous to that, so six months before the rent increase, we started like talking to them about it. Okay. And I think that they're prepared. We really don't want to lose them. They're gr- we don't want to lose any of our tenants. I love all of our tenants. We have a great group of tenants I right could, now. I could lose a couple. Two in particular. Yeah. Oh, and we allow pets. So side tangent, I understand it's a bummer with the carpets and the cats and all that jazz, but we allow pets. Two reasons. I'm a huge animal lover. Bar none, they're like my, it's my love of life as animals. And so I feel as though, you know, treat others as you would like to be treated. I don't charge a non-refundable pet fee. I just hold a one and a half month security deposit. It's plenty enough money to, you know, cover any potential maintenance issues when they leave or, or um, uh, repair issues rather. Is that, a, is that an extra deposit because of the pets? Like normally you do one month? No, always so, one and a half. It's the okay. maximum in the state of Michigan. So okay. side tangent, this is something that um, a lot of new landlords get themselves into trouble with. The legal law in the state of Michigan is you can only collect one and a half months of uh, uh, rent as security deposit. You cannot exceed that in escrow. So then they'll go on and do like a $200 um, refundable pet fee that actually that refundable word instead of non-refundable makes you in breach of the maximum amount of money that you're legally allowed to hold in the state of Michigan. It's so that people don't gouge renters on the way in and say, we want $5,000 held in escrow to protect our home. No one ever puts it in escrow anyway. Exactly. It, <laughs> it gets used. You know what I mean? Yeah. The whole point is for cash flow. We always have enough money, even if tomorrow I had to pay 
all 10 security deposits back, that would not be a problem. You know what I mean? And as far as like accounting is concerned, they just want to make sure that you have have it somewhere. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There are times where it gets used and it might be a little bit lighter, but it's very rare that you would ever need to pay back 10 security deposits yeah. at one time. Yeah, so. usually they're staggered. And exactly, more, exactly. More than a couple at a time. Yep. All right, well, I'm trying to think about any other questions. Um, I guess- Is there um, anything else that you want to add in? Let me think. With, you know, if somebody's thinking about flips over rentals, I think the main, because that's probably going to be the main takeaway of like, if, if somebody is considering like getting into real estate investing, what should I get into? I would say you can start real estate investing in rentals with a lot less capital than you need for a flip. So if you're thinking you want to diversify into investments at all, you could do the plan that I'm doing with the 20% down conventional loans, that sort of thing, with maybe 20 or $25,000 in cash liquid of your own money versus taking on like a private money lender or something like that. And where can you find a, a house for 100,000 that you can? Well, you can still pick up a house for 100K in like Hazel Park. It, you're gonna need to put work into it. Um, Warren, I think the next um, uh, uh, real estate investment market is gonna be Pontiac for a multitude of reasons. There's a downtown, the location, it's in Oakland County, it's centrally located. And the Asterix is the um, Amazon Fulfillment Center that they are building currently. Oh, okay. It's what happened in Hazel Park as well. It's okay. a partial, I think it's a, a, a reason why, a lot of jobs, like mm -hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. Hmm. So it'll bring a little bit more money back into those communities. There's probably a lot of houses under 100,000 in Pontiac. Oh my God, like all of them. There's only, <laughs> <laughs> there's like one neighborhood, um, Indian Village, I think it's called. It's the mansions. They like brick, beautiful mansions or whatever. Otherwise, pretty much everything is under $100,000 in Pontiac. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and it's because the acquisition costs, like remember the first in 2018 when we were doing those flips in Hazel Park? M like uh, the numbers on it, it was like. It was like 60,000. Yeah. And like then you put 20 in. 20 in. 100. Exactly. Yeah. And make like 30 to 40. So like my yeah. first one bought it for 50, put in 20, made like 42, something that's, like that's that. Really it was amazing. So like the cash on cash return, I did that in what, four months, start to finish, like from acquisition, rehab to close, four months. So it was wonderful. The numbers aren't like that anymore though. So like you're putting up maybe 150, like the acquisition is like 110, 120, and then you're putting in like 40 to make 20 to 30. Like it, it's just the, the, the margins aren't as great. Maybe back in Pontiac though, that's It'll where back to the same yeah lower i'm hoping like you, you're putting out 60 and you in four months well you if you put out 60 then you rehab for 80 mm -hmm. then you can sell it for 110 120 ish maybe. yeah the That's only the thing is is you don't want to be the first one because yeah. there's no there's no comps yeah the after repair value is just what you wish it to be right <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean so that's the only bummer it's like the chicken and the egg scenario yeah. with comps and value you know you know one more thing that i should probably bring up mm -hmm. is that the reason why you'd want to do this right we talk yeah. about passive income yes okay yes we talk about how there's no pensions anymore correct so I, I have tons of podcasts i've done about income 360. i call it peak income 360 mm -hmm. it's just a concept right mm -hmm. and the idea is that we want to diversify our income. Exactly. Right. So if you think about your situation in, so in retirement, you'll have social security. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, we'll see. It, I'm 34. It, it, <laughs> I figure it'll be 25% less than they say. Yeah, that's what you said yeah. when we sat down the other yeah. day. Yeah, for sure. So you're going to have your 
real estate income, which, mm-hmm. is, which is our lost pension because we don't have pensions like our right. like our grandparents did. No, and right. I'm self-employed anyways. So really exactly. my pension is the 401k, the single K. Yeah, so you'll have, again, real estate, social security, mm-hmm. and financial investments, right? Correct, yeah. Now with your skill set, you could do, you could keep your license going, do a couple deals here, there, be really sure. choosy with who you decide to work with. Yeah. Right? So consulting is part of it as well. Absolutely, right? So yes. we have tons of people that we see that don't want the high level stress of the day job anymore. Sure. Uh, but they do have a fantastic skill set which can command a very high hourly rate. Yes. So they end up, you know, consulting. Consulting is a great thing to do. Maybe they want to retire at 62 sure. and consult till 67. What's unique about that is it can allow you to delay your social security. Oh, right, I didn't know that. that. Yeah. Interesting. So if you're still working, yeah, it makes sense. If you don't need the social, don't Why take, take it. Why take it? Right? Yeah. So that's one strategy. Doesn't mean that it's right for everyone, okay? But the the whole income from everywhere, you know, diversify your income concept. For me, it was real estate was the thing to add in as well, mm-hmm. right? Like you're in the real estate market every day. So for you, you want to diversify away from real estate by, you know, funding your solo K and yes. 401k and Roths and all that stuff. Yes. See, for me, right, I'm in the financial sector every day. So I've been funding, right, all those all investment those. accounts. Yeah. And my income is tied to the markets, sure. right? Because we bill as a percentage of assets. Mm-hmm. The value of the business is tied to the markets. So everything is tied to the market, right? Yeah, so true. So we want to diversify away from that. Into real estate. So we're kind of opposites. Absolutely, we are. And by adding properties, that I was buying my pension. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So I kept saying cash out or sell. Like, I never plan to sell these homes. Like, mm-hmm. they, as soon as the mortgages are paid off, now the cash flow is double. I mean, the principal and interest. The, the, and the, you're young enough. So yeah. that at 34, fast forward 30 years, so that's 64. Theoretically, I think it'll be faster than that though, because we're gonna we're gonna get it down yeah. to like a twenty-three year loan by the time we do, you know, yeah. paying so, it off and all that jazz. So like, you know, that's in your fifties, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Right. It gives you that You're right. <laughs> it gives you that financial independence. That's right, yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, for someone who's older though, right? Yeah. So let's say so I'll be 42 this year. Let's say someone who's 42, they want to... They want to buy their first rental property. Look, How do if, they do it? If they have the mindset mm-hmm. of, of, of mine where we're trying to pay them off in 15 years or less, yeah, they have plenty of time to get that done. Plenty. Absolutely. Right? And if they have you know a nice day job and strong cash flow, they can do one every year. And they don't even really need the cash flow from the asset. 300 right. bucks a month is pennies, really. You they know, don't need so the cash flow. Get it paid off sooner. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and so, but then what if you're in your 50s? Okay. Well, I suppose if you're in your fifties, um, it's such a, it's so hard to theoretically give examples because everyone is so different. If you're in your fifties and you have a lot of cash versus your fifties and you don't have a lot of cash, See, they don't have the time to do it for the tenants to just pay off like right, 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 right. Know. So they well, have to come in more with more than, money. Yeah. yeah. Just less debt, honestly, so yeah. that the asset gets paid off a faster. A quicker payoff. A quicker payoff. Yeah. Shoot. You could look into a three, four, five or seven year arm at that point. Arm loans, as long as you know for a fact that you're going to pay it off in a balloon. That's the, like, arms can get really dicey if you don't know for a fact that you have the money to pay it off at the end of your three, five, or seven, or that you're going to sell the asset. Because yeah. people could get themselves into really big, bad hot water with that sort of thing. So, Katie, if someone is interested in finding their first rental, yeah, 
or maybe they're a seasoned investor and they they want to uh, to, to accumulate more. Mm-hmm. How should how can they reach out to you? Oh, um, my phone number is two four eight nine zero nine nine four zero one. Email is katherine.nolf at gmail.com. Okay, so Maybe wait, we can there's hyper. like five ways to spell Catherine. K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. That's the best way. Correct. <laughs> dot N-O-L-F-F at gmail.com. N-O-L-F-F. Yep. Okay, so there's no K in front no of the N. No K in front of the like N. No. I always want to put it's the like K golf. in there. I know, everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of golf, tell, yeah. me, tell, tell me about the video of the deer. Oh, yes. I went viral this year. Weird. It's like a, a concept that's just in new age uh, society. So basically, my fiance and I were golfing, and there were these deer in a tree line, and we just, we love animals, as previously stated in this video. And we were sort of calling them over to us, and the, the buck, the, he had horns and everything. You could tell he was young because he was very slight. His body wasn't fully grown in yet. I would say maybe like six to eight months old, something like that. He comes right, he came right up to us and started like licking our hand and let us pet him. The video that you saw was after like 10 minutes of interaction. That's so amazing. it was crazy. So yeah. the video was, I'm on a, a putting green and the deer's here and I'm here. And he just walks up to me and I hand, put my hand out and he licks me again and then I make the putt with him <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> so it went, it went viral, it went yeah, like, it, how all many over. views are you talking about? Oh my God, millions. I was on ESPN. That's ESPN. Cool. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Like playing golf. Weird. So, so crazy. So for my, like if I went viral, I'd be happy with like a thousand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was. You're talking about millions. Millions. Here. Like we <laughs> Googled it and it was in Arabic. It was in French. It was in Japanese. It was in Chinese. Like it's, it's a global video at this point, which nice. is bananas. Like so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys are looking for a, an aggressive, honest, trustworthy, uh, excellent communication realtor thank for you. your your home or for your investment Catherine thank you so much I appreciate that Thanks for coming <laughs> my pleasure truly you've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim pilot on the finding true wealth podcast sponsored by peak wealth management you can learn more about peak wealth management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood one